My name is Tom, but I'm an alcoholic. My home group is Avon Lake Friday. Avon Lake's a community club, suburb of Cleveland, about 15 miles to the west, right on Lake Erie. My sobriety date is July the 5th, 1962, which means, which means I pulled from a lot of experiences, and that's what I'm here to do. Share my strength, hope, and experience. Believe me, people, I, I didn't come here to preach or teach. I'm going to dig down in my gut and give you everything that a, an alcoholic can give another alcoholic. And, and we pour out our heart's blood to you, hoping upon hope that you walk out of here with the same thing I walked out of these rooms with, and that's hope. God, if that nutty son of a gun can do it, maybe, maybe. I'll stay one more day. I'll go back tomorrow and see what they got. That's what we're doing. It tickles me. You talk about 40 years of sobriety. You, you go to these conferences, and they have a countdown. And you hear 56 years, and they go, oh, good deal. Great. Okay. Three days, and the house comes down. <laughs> you know why that is? We know you just left hell. And we'll do whatever we have to do to, 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 to keep you from going back. We'll, we'll show you where we put our feet, and you put your, put your feet... Well, we put ours, and, and you'll make it. You'll make it today. I look around. I always want to know where my wife is. I see she's way over there. I'm glad of that. <laughs> I I always sit in the back, and she always sits in the back when I speak. We we learned that a, a long time ago, 20, 25 years ago, before I, I had enough sense to keep my mouth shut. We were invited to um, Toledo or Miami or someplace. It was, was it one of these deals where they... They didn't have enough room in, in, in the auditorium, so they had satellite, satellite rooms and, and TVs and all. Big, big deal. Big microphone. You thought it was the UN. And, uh, I, I gave the lead, and, and you give your, you give your story. That's what you got to give. You give your story, and, and you hope to God somebody got helped, and, and you sit down. And they had the deal where they served the dinner up on the table like this. And my wife being left-handed always sits to the left of me. So she was sitting right in this seat, and I was sitting in that one. I gave the lead, and I went around, and I sat down. And there weren't supposed to be any comments. But a woman jumped up, and she says, oh, she says, I, I just have to thank you. She says, this is the first time I was ever at one of these, and, and I'm not an alcoholic. My husband is. But if this program could do just one-tenth for him what it's done for you, I'll be the happiest woman in the world. Well, what this woman didn't know was my wife and I were fighting. We were battling. We, we were battling when we left the house. We were battling in the car. And when we went to a meeting, we were still fighting. But she's good Al-Anon, you know. Hello, Glendale. Hello, everything's fine. You know, all that kind of stuff. And me and my dumb big mouth, I, I nudged her. I said, did you hear that? She says, yeah, I heard it. And I thought it was over. And she went on and on. And boy, I'm loving it, boy. I tapped her again. I says, aren't you glad you got me? <laughs> and I could see the veins, you know, swelling up in the neck. And I leaned over to say something else. And before I could get the words out of my mouth, and she looked at the mics. She didn't look at me when she said it. So she said, I didn't know the mics were on. She knew the mics were on. <laughs> she says, Tommy, she says, that woman doesn't live with you, you rotten son of a... <laughs> That's what come over the microphone, over the wall of rooms... And that same thing happened with laughs. Laughs and claps, hey. Huh? Only in AA you get that. 
It's fantastic. Wait, what you see is what you get. We're not up here to try to impress anybody. How'd you get here? I lived in the streets. Oh, what great AA. Lived in the world. We haven't got time for, for, for the problems they have out there, prejudice and, and what, how much money you make and how big is your boat. And who the hell cares? You sober today? That, that's it. That's, that's the value here. The quality of your sobriety. Not to say that all these other things aren't important. Believe me, they are. But I guarantee you, if your quality of sobriety is good, you'll get all those other things. The only difference is they won't mean a damn thing. Won't mean a damn thing. I'm trying to keep order. My wife says, Tom, I think you're getting senile. Ever since you turned 70, you, you, you're skipping around all over the place. You talk about 40 years ago, and you talk about today, and you talk about 40 years ago. and you talk, She says, I can follow you. I lived it. But those people don't know us, and they may not be able to follow you. I said, honey, I'm speaking alcoholics. <laughs> Believe me, babe, they're not wrapped too tight either. They, we don't have any problems communicating. I'll sit down with any five alkies in this room over two cups of coffee, and we know each other a long time. Because when I say to another alcoholic, you know, when I come here, I, I, I was always afraid, and I didn't even know what the hell I was afraid of. Oh, yeah, 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 we, I understand that. I woke up in Chicago and I even knew how, I didn't know how I got there or what day it was or anything. Oh yeah, that goes with the territory. That, that's part of the deal. I woke up in the house and the wife and kids were gone. The house was cold and I was broke and miserable. Yeah, yeah, we understand that. You have to explain. That's what makes it work. It isn't a language from the head, people. It's a language from the heart. We understand each other. We feel each other's pain. And God Almighty wants, once you get out of that hell and you see a new person come in and they're hurting, you, 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 you feel their pain. And you do everything you know how to do to just make them feel welcome. I don't preach the 12 steps to new man. I show them where the coffee is. Come on, fella. Get a cup of coffee. Just make it to the next hour. That's all we got to do. I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, and people drinking was a way of life. My dad's an alcoholic. Died an alcoholic's death. That's a miserable thing to watch. Friday night was pay night, you know. Well, most of the people there worked in the shipyards. They got paid and, and went to the neighborhood bar on Friday nights and played shuffleboard and sang songs and told lies about the old country. How great it was in Ireland. But crying out half and I've never seen Ireland. And the other half, there's something wrong with them because it was so good why they leave. South Brooklyn wasn't any bargain. <laughs> Young age, I, I got into some trouble and uh, they shipped us off to the service. I spent 38 months. I was supposed to spend three years. I spent close to four years in the service. Kind of Korean War, they froze all discharges. And finally, I got discharged. And uh, there's no service stories here. I didn't like the service. You might as well put me in jail. I went in a private and I come out of private. Every time I got a promotion, I went to town to celebrate, got drinking, and just didn't go back. That's all. You don't go back. If you got money, who the hell wants to go back? And they frown on that. They don't like that at all. They... <laughs> so I get discharged in service. I go home, and, and I'm, I'm, you're, you're, you're the tool of legal drinking years. You're expected to drink. You're getting rehabilitated to civilian life. And where do you get rehabilitated? The neighborhood bar. That's it. That's it. I was cutting a bar fight in San Francisco. My dad told everybody I was wounded in Korea. 
Oh, God. I loved it. I walked in the bar. The bartender set up the first one. Everybody in the neighbor knew my dad. Sent Tom down to drink. See? He had it rough over there. One of the old timers would die. He puts his arm around your shoulder. He said, gee, Tom, I heard you had it rough over there. How did it happen? I just put my head down and said, the doctor said I shouldn't talk about that. What the hell are you going to tell him? You're not going to make a liar out of your dad. You'll tell him anything he wants to hear. If he's buying the drinks, I don't know any alky it won't. I don't know any alky it won't be what he has to be at the time. Greatest actors and con artists you ever seen in your life. We have to think on our feet. Because we don't remember yesterday. we got to put pieces together all the time. I'll tell you about alcohol. A nurse told me about alcoholics 40 years ago. I'll never forget it. I had a sponsor that was a, was a great believer in, in going up to the hospital and talking to the patients. You know, we were very fortunate because I think the hospitals came in in 58. Before that, you didn't have hospitals. You had flop houses, and Sister Ignatia would take a few with charity, or St. Thomas, and, and we had uh, Sophie Parkinson's. Stella Morris was a, like a, a, a flop house. You, Alkies weren't welcome before hospitalization. Thank God we had hospitals. You, you get a guy in your car going to a, 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 a flop house and he swallows his tongue in your car, you, you'll be wished to God you had medical help. I have people knocking hospitals. I'm not going to knock hospitals. But you have a guy dying in your house, then you'll then, then tell me about hospitals. But anyway, he called me one night. He says, Tommy, I, I can't make it up there tonight. He says, you, you go up and talk to the patients. Okay, Jay, because I said I'd do anything. That's the first question I ask you. What are you willing to do to stay sober? I said, whatever I have to do, this okay. Go to the hospital, talk to patients, I'll go to the hospital. Come down here and talk to you, I'll come down, help me stay sober, yeah. Pick up cups after me, yeah, damn right, I'll do it. I'll go to Alaska, but I'll do whatever it takes not to drink today. That's my whole program. I get up in the morning and my prayer is, dear God, I'll move the feet, but run the head. You run the head, God, I'll move the feet. My whole program is based on that. And the second I say, God, I'll run the show today, oh, you watch this thing get screwed up. My God. My wife said she was going to shoot me last week. Two weeks ago, I had a, I made up my mind that I was going to go and, and retire and just go to Vegas and gamble. I love to gamble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. That's a, that's, that's a, that's a great idea. It don't work. I wound up down in Florida on those boats in Titusville or someplace. Lost a lot of money. Don't talk about that. I come home. She said, you want to go to Vegas? Take your bed. Take everything you got. And just don't come back. Oh, God. I, in a weak moment, I signed the business and everything over to my wife. You think about things before you do them. They, I was so about 20 years, and I thought, this is the honorable thing to do. Honey, if I ever drink again, you have everything. Don't worry about a thing. So I signed everything. House. The only thing I own is the clothes on my back. So I blew my top a while back, and I said, I'm leaving. She says, go ahead. So I went out, and I packed all my clothes, and I put them in a new car. She waited till I got them all packed, and then she says, where are you going? I says, I'm leaving. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm leaving. She says, well, you're not going to leave in that car. <laughs> says, what do you mean I'm not going to leave in that car? Says, that's my car. She says, I'll call the police. Have you locked up before you get to the corner? <laughs> okay, so we have a business, and I had a work truck there, and I took all the clothes out of the work truck, the car, and I put them in the, in the van. Got in the van. She says, where are you going? I'm leaving. Not in that truck, you're not. Well, I renegotiated and, and, and moved back in. I told her, if ever I gamble again, just shoot me. My son brought down the gun. He's mom here. I put a gun in his dress and the time he gambled, shoot him. There's no, there's no compassion in my house. You know, there's no, 
I don't know where the hell I am. She's right. I do jump around a lot. I don't know where the hell I'm going. But I'll tell you, it, it will work out. Once I get me out of the way, this is going to be fine. This is going to be fine. Hey, just go along with it. Nurses. Nurses, right? So I went up to the hospital. And the nurse seen me. So, hello, Tom. She says, you're here to speak to the patients? I says, yeah. She says, I'll get them. And she walked down the long hall. And she tapped one guy and walked by another one and tapped another one and walked by another one. Finally, she got 10 or 12 guys together. And she said, go down to the TV room. We're going to have an AA meeting. And I grabbed her. I says, how do you know the difference between the alcoholics? Because at that time, they didn't have time to build the alcoholic wings, so they put the alcoholics in with the mental patients. Same with two west. They were closer to right then than they are now, I think. But they, that's where they put them. Everybody went in the... So I grabbed her. I says, how do you tell the difference between the alcoholics and the mental patients? How do you know who to tap and who not to tap? She says, oh, it's easy. I says, you know, I've been here about eight months now, and, and I looked down the hall. I couldn't tell you the difference between the alcoholics and the mental patients. She says, Tommy, you could if you were here three days. I says, why is that? She says, well, we carry them all in. After three days, you see the ones walking down the hall kind of quiet and sedating to themselves? I says, yeah. She says, they're the mental patients. You see the ones in the office telling us how to run the hospital? <laughs> huh? You got it. Alcoholics. Well, we're quick forgetters, aren't we? Do you realize if you're alcoholic and you're laughing, you're laughing at yourself? Do you realize that? Do you realize that's the beginning of getting well? We're very thin-skinned people. You tell a joke about an alky when he's drinking, he'll punch your lights out. Here we learn to laugh at ourselves. You learn not to take yourself so damn serious. You learn you're not the center of the universe. God almighty people, it's a great way to live. You learn how to wear a kind of light. It's a great way to go. Move the feet. Move the feet. I was home maybe a year or so, and I, I decided I was getting into some jackpots, so I, 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 I was asked to leave. And I was stationed in California a while, and I liked it. So I was going back out to California, and I got on a bus. And they had a rest stop in a town called Lorraine, Ohio. And I got off the bus. I was going to have a couple of drinks in Lorraine, Ohio. That was 1953. I'm still in Lorraine, Ohio. Huh? I never had a couple of drinks in my life. That, that, I got drinking and first thing I know, three days later, I come off a drunk and the bus is gone, the clothes are gone, I'm almost broke. I called home, I said, Dad, I, I'm in this town, if you send me some dough, Dad, when I get out to the coast, I'll send it back a hundred fold. My dad had been talking to people in AA. Hey, my son's nutting a jaybird when he drinks, what can I do to help him? Frank, you want to help him? Yeah. Don't help him. What the hell kind of advice is that? Let him wake up in enough jails, let him beat his head in against enough walls, let him get to the point where he's sick and tired of being sick and tired. Let him get to the point where just a couple of seconds he gets honest with himself, he says, maybe it's me. Then we'll break our backs to help him, Frank. But till then, let the clown finish his act. My dad says, good luck and goodbye. I got drinking in a neighborhood bar. They said they needed chemical engineers at a chemical company. So I went for an interview, got the job. Chemical engineer. I can't spell chemical engineer. You put a bar and I'll get with his back to the wall. He'll be anybody in this room be a chemical. He'll be whatever he has to be. You got to make some money. 
While working, I met a young lady. God almighty, most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. Still lives. She isn't red hair anymore, but she's still beautiful. I say that because if I say that, I, I make out pretty good tonight. That's a, you know. <laughs> this sobriety isn't, isn't bad. Believe me, people. It, Now, if you're not making out, you better check your program. Something's wrong. Right in my house to dinner. Her mother and I hit it off. Her mother and I hit it off great. Her father was a pipe for the welder by trade out of uh, Cleveland. He was out of town at the time. Well, he come home over the holidays. Says to me, he says, come on, let's get down the corner, get to know one another. I said, boy, my kind of people, right? We get drinking and talking and drinking and talking. We get along great. He's telling me, do me a favor. As you name it, Walt, you got it. He says, never come near my home with my daughter again. I said, what the hell are you talking about? I thought we got along good. He says, we do, but you drink too much, Tom. I said, what do you mean I drink too much? You're drinking drink for drink with me. That's why I know. I put my family through hell with this booze. You think I want my daughter going through with something like you? I said, I'm going to marry your daughter. He's over my dead body as if need be. That, I shouldn't have said that. He broke my nose. My boom, right there. Bang. <laughs> now a lady with Down Bayview Hospital is sewing him up. They're sewing me up. It's a mess. Three days later, I take his daughter away and we get married. Don't tell an alky not to do something. Don't tell. Get drunk, lose the job. Now I'm in a strange town with a wife, no job, no nothing. What can the poor guy do? He takes me into Cleveland, gets me signed up in the pipe for the apprenticeship. We take a brand new two-car garage and we make a honeymoon cottage with a hot water tank and a bathroom and a little bedroom and kitchen. Oh, beautiful little place. And the deal is, as soon as Tommy starts making better money, we're going to buy a house in the suburbs and live happily ever after. <laughs> Four children and seven years later, we're still in the cottage. And I'm a journeyman now and I'm making a pretty buck, pretty decent dollar when I work, but the more I work, the more I drink. I used to drink on Friday, Saturday, sober up Sunday, go to work Monday. Now it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, sober up Monday, go to work Tuesday. Get paid on when? Did I hear a cell phone? Must be a doctor. Somebody's having a baby or something, right? <laughs> Get paid on Wednesday. I never make Thursday. Wake up in, in New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, Corner Park. Driveway, kitchen floor. I used to wake up on the kitchen floor a lot. She'd come out and, Tom, I, I need some money for groceries. I don't have any money for groceries. I don't know what happened. Here she is with the kids. So I did the only thing I know how to do with the time. I used to attack. Damn it, I drank when I married you. I'm going to continue to drink. And if you don't like it, rah, 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 rah. I'm the king of this house. King of this house. Not going to make me like that neighbor. I had a neighbor. I hated his guts. Wimpy son of a gun. Biggest thing in his life was his grass. Every Saturday morning, he mowed the grass. You ever have a hangover and have somebody mow that lawn right under your bedroom? And I'd be in a neighborhood bar and I'd see him come in and I'd send him down a drink. Give so-and-so a drink. He'd drink it and leave. One drink and leave. Where are you going? He said, I have to go home. Supper is waiting. Supper is waiting. When I stopped in for one drink, I could care less if the Pope is waiting. It don't, don't, I don't care. Let them wait. The only thing I ever hear is last call, last call. 
I'm leaving you. That was my big spiel. I'm leaving you. Where the hell am I going? I go in the bedroom with my brown paper bag and I put my socks and underwear. My wife would come in and cry. Tom, what did I do to upset you? It was sickening people. She was born and raised in that town. I had her beat down so bad man, mentally. She, she couldn't even face her friends. What did I do wrong? When my wife was, was, was 60, was 26, she looked 60. Now she's well over 60, and to me she looks 26, believe me. At this AA, this island on is, God almighty. She used to walk around with her head down and her eyes closed and always, now she walks with her head high and her eyes sparkling and faces the whole world and got people come to her house. She teaches them how to grow herbs and gives lectures and has a, a home and garden to in uh, Better Home and magazines and you name it. She's all over the country giving lectures. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, Alan. Two things in our life that are sacred. One is AA, the other is Alan. You can come in our house and tell jokes about anything you want to tell jokes about. You make one joke about AA, Alan, you go out feet first. And if I can't do it, I call Chris. Chris has got 20 years. He's 6'5", about 280. Chris, I got a guy down here telling jokes about Alanon. Yeah, I'll be right down. <laughs> That's it. Hey, you know, Lou, right? Big. Picks him up, throws him. I go home one night about 4 in the morning. My suitcase hit me right in the chest. She said, I can't live this way anymore. I'll go to work. I'll do whatever I have to do. Just get out. So I, I was going to get a room on the Gold Coast. I was going to get a Cadillac convertible or I was going to live high. Well, you don't live in a Gold Coast. You live on West 65th in Detroit, behind the Avenue Bar, an $8 a week room. Beat, beat up old, beat up junk cars. Most guys in construction people have two cars. They have a, a nice family car that they go on picnics with and trips with. And then they have an old beat up pickup or a junker that they drive to the jobs. We never had a good car. We always had a beat up junker. Had an old Plymouth with ball tires and no ignition key. I was drinking one night, my brother-in-law, I lost the keys, my brother-in-law's electrician. He says, don't worry, I'll fix it. He reaches under the dash, pulls out all the wires, puts three wires together with a clothespin, and the car started. That's how I used to get in the car every morning, put the clothespin on the wires and go to work. I'd be going down Clipton Boulevard, I hit a bump, the clothespin falls, the car stops. That's how I went. People blowing their horns for blocks, I'm looking for the damn clothespin. And I thought that was normal. That's how don't everybody live like that. God Almighty. You know, you look back and you see the insanity of all this, but when you're in it, it's fine. Every, it's normal. Everybody I know does it. God. Never thought I could live without a drink. Never possibly my wife. The toughest thing I ever did in my life was stop drinking. It's not easy. And I don't know when it left, but I don't have a desire to drink. Because I come here, I listen to you people, I put my feet where you put yours, and I just said, God, run the head. That's my program. That's my 12 steps in a nutshell. Huh? That, that, that sounded like Moses coming out of my mountains, didn't it? Ooh. God almighty. I'm glad you didn't find that out. When do you want to see your kids? You want to see your kids at 3 in the morning. You drive out, they're unlikely. You're not going to see your kids because they have what they call restraining orders. What drunk cares about a restraining order? 
Cops come, don't give the hard time there. I'm not going to give you a hard time. See my kids and leave. No, you're not going to see your kids. Come with us. I'm going to do you a favor. There's somebody new here, somebody old. I don't care. If you go out again, you're drinking, and the cop says to you real nice, hey, young fella, come with us. You do yourself a favor. You go with them. You go with them. Because I don't care who you are, how tough you think you are. You're going to wake up in jail next morning. If you throw one punch like I used to do, you don't wake up in jail. Your hair is going to hurt. Boy, they do a job. And I don't blame them. If I was a cop, I'd beat your head in two of you. Said to me what I said to them. It gets old, people. She says we were separated a year and a half. I don't remember. But I remember calling her saying, Glenn, I haven't had a drink in three weeks. And I'm fed up with living like this. And, and I, I don't want any more of it. I remember one time I, I I was out one night and I got 37 stitches in my face. And I thought, boy, this would be a good time to go out and see the wife. She'll feel sorry for me and let me in the house. And she opened the back door and looked at me and smiled. I thought, oh, she's glad to see me. She said, do you know God answers prayers? You finally got yours, you rotten, and slammed the door. That was it. I used to pray I get killed. Police will get the insurance. That was the deal. Be better off without them. Christ, if we die, we get all that money. She says, you haven't had a drink in three weeks? I says, no. She says, okay. I said, I want to take you on a picnic. And I bought picnic baskets and, and baseball gloves and baseballs and, and potato chips and, and all the things. I thought, who teaches you how to be a father? Now, a lot of my lead people is is bringing AA home. And you're going to hear a lot of old timers say, take it home, take it home, take it home. And and true, we want things at home to be good, and we want you to take it home. But that's not our main reason. The reason we tell you that is we worry about your sobriety. We know if you're sober, things at home are going to get better sooner or later. But we know when things are rough at home and you're fighting at home, staying sober is hard. Staying sober is tough. The weakest times you're going to have is when you're fighting at home and you slam out of the house. They don't appreciate it. They still treat me like I used to have a drink in six days. Look at them. You've been kicking people in the teeth for 16 years. Haven't had a drink in six days. You want the whole world to say, isn't he a great guy? Don't work that way. Bringing this program home and catching a show and a dinner with the wife or taking the kids on a vacation. I'll never forget our first vacation on a houseboat. When things are going good at home and you've got a few pennies in your pocket and things are starting to shape up, and you're sleeping in your own bed again instead of the couch, the sobriety starts getting payoffs, and it starts getting good. That's why we say take it home. We want things in your home to be as good as they can possibly be. Because when they're good, it's easier to stay so And the wife deserves her paybacks, too. Normally, I, if in a place like this, I'll get her dish or her coffee. I don't get a coffee because I'm a wimp. I get my wife's coffee because it's my way of saying thank you. Thank you for feeding our kids. Thank you for keeping a roof over their head. Thank you for being the woman you were when I wasn't the man I should have been. Thank you, honey. Now, you don't wait on me. I wait on you. You paid your dues in spades, babe. It's your turn. Sit down. You're going to be treated like a queen the rest of your life. And you come to my home group, I guarantee you'll get the coffee. Chris, make sure you get the coffee. You with your wife? Yeah, where's her coffee? Well, I don't get her coffee. Yes, you do. Oh, okay. <laughs> get the coffee. Just a way of saying thank you. Is it too much? Is it too much? You learn how to give. You learn how to forget yourself. You learn there's more important things in this world than you or me. And I'm talking to me as well as I'm talking to you. Believe me. She may want to shoot me again tomorrow. I don't know. But today is good. Today is good. And we play this whole thing a day at a time. Believe me. Right now it's great. 
And as long as we're with Brett and his wife, we're treating as wonderful, it's going to be great. We get by ourselves, it's a toss-up. You don't know. Yeah, we're, gonna be, we're on our way to Florida. We, we got a long time in the car together. You, you can, could be a little shaky, you know. Buy a house on land contract in Avon Lake. We're going to live this good. We're going to live decent. We're going to live like other people. Christ, I'm not home a month. I'm, it was exactly a month because I was sit, sitting on the front porch and I was a hangover. And I know it was a month because the house payment was doing. I didn't have it. And the rat race starts all over again. Well, I'm sitting there, my brother-in-law comes up, and he's, he's looking bad. Jeez, Tommy's like, I got problems. I said, what do you mean, got problems? He said, well, I got a drunken driving charge. I got to go before Jensen. Tuesday. I said, well, don't tell me about drunken driving charge. I said, I got five of them. Four of them in the last five months. I said, I'm borrowing money from loan companies and friends and everything else and paying fines. The judge offered the wife and her sister divorce, two divorces for the price of one. Jensen. He says, yeah, but, but he's, I'm getting sued for divorce. I says, I know. How do you know? I says, I got my papers this morning, too. While we're talking, the wife comes out. She says, you know, we were talking to a minister in this town. He told us about a group of people that meet at his church on Friday nights. And they must be doing something right because they're putting their lives together and they don't drink. I thought, my God. Bob says, you think if I go to that, that club, she'll hold off on the divorce? And she says, I don't know, Bob. That would be up to her. But you know how it along great when you don't drink. It might be worth a shot. I said, how about me? I'll go. I'll go to the Girl Scouts, the Boy Scouts. I don't, I don't want a divorce. She's you. They don't make anything help people like you. You're, you're crazy. Friday night, we went to our, quote, first AA meeting. I'm 28 years old. He's 26. Now, who the hell can tell you anything when you're 28 years old? You got all the answers. You're streetwise. I walked into the room and the first thing that hit me, two things hit me. The first one was, my God, they're all old. Look at them. No wonder they quit drinking. They try to drink now and they die for Christ. <laughs> Second thing that hit me, they were all dressed nice. We used to dress in Avon Lake and still do dress like we're going to church. You wear a suit or a nice shirt and sweater. You dress. You don't go in. With Levi's and T-shirts, it's just a—it's a respect. Is what it is. Respect for the program. That's it. And if you can't afford it, we make sure you can. We'll buy it for you. Come on, buddy. Where's your kids? We'll feed them. We'll clothe them first, and we'll clothe you. That's how we do things. Dress good, look good. I figure where they have a drink. I got thirty-five cents in my pocket. I got clean work clothes, pair of loafers that don't quite have holes in them. Look around the room. There's men there talking to their wives. Who the hell talks to their wife? And they're laughing and choking. I thought I was at a PTA meeting. I'm not This is a drink. One guy breaks away from the crowd. There's a bunch of guys by the coffee telling jokes. One guy breaks away and he comes towards us. And he's 105. Puts out his hand. He says, well, it's so good to see you young fellas. This program works, fellas. I haven't had a drink in 16 years. Oh, my God. 16 years. My legs got weak. My brother-in-law says, boy, you must be awful thirsty, mister. 
Who the hell ever heard of not drinking for 16 years? People don't talk years. Don't talk years. Talk days, hours, and minutes. Talk days, hours, and minutes. Keep it simple. Keep it right here, right now. And the only thing that 40 years has done for me, I've learned to live in the now. It's a great way to go. I enjoy this. I enjoy meeting this man. I enjoy meeting his wife. I enjoy playing with his dogs. I enjoy seeing Tom again. I enjoy seeing meeting a new fellow. Lou. It, it just, it, it, you enjoy the minutes. I enjoy sitting down at bacon and eggs when one morning I'd be puking my guts out if I looked at bacon and eggs. You realize I still enjoy that, still appreciate that. The little things, people. The little things. Hug your kid and kiss her. The little things. Too busy. Never be too busy. You don't know if you're going to be able to kiss him tomorrow. Finally, I said this old fellow, he started telling us about this great life, and we're going to find God. And oh boy, that, that, God. Oh, I did. I joined one of those Protestant churches here. Not me, Mr. Him. He's got the problem. He's got drunken driving charge. I can quit any time I want. He said, oh, thank you. And he grabbed Bob and he went over and I went down and got a cup of coffee and they were telling jokes about drunken driving charges. There's nothing funny about drunken driving charge. I thought I was in Looney Tune land. <laughs> then they announced the lead. And my brother-in-law and I, we went and sat on the side, the last two seats on the side. I'm not joining. I still don't join things. I'm looking you over. Don't tell me, I, I love the big book, people. It's my Bible. Believe me, I love the big book. But I'm going to tell you, the big book is not going to keep you sober. The big book's not going to keep you sober anymore. The Bible's going to get you to heaven. Or owning a piano makes you a piano player. Doing what the big book tells you to do, that's going to keep you sober. It's in the action. You have to know it. You have to read it. But if you don't do it, it isn't worth the power to blow it to hell. Move the feet. Move the feet. Stay busy. It's in the action. Pick up the ashtrays. God, what may do? Clean up the room. Okay. Everybody thinks it's going to be a great big flood. Come in. I'm going to get spiritual. No, you're not. Pick up the damn ashtrays. You want to get spiritual? Shake hands with a new man. That's the most spiritual you can get. Drive a new man to a meeting. That's the most spiritual you can get. Because from that comes everything else. It's in the action, in the doing, when you forget you. Guy gets up here to give his first lead. I'll never forget it. He had a, it was a cake with one candle. He had a brand new suit on, a white shirt and tie. He was just tiptoeing through the tulips. First lead. His wife was sitting out in the audience. He got up here and he looked out. He says, hi, honey, I love you. And she stood up and says, I love you too. And my blood Lord poked me. He says, what the hell are we doing here? I said, I know what we're doing here, you sick son of a gun. You wanted to come here, not me. My wife's home lighting candles. Dear God, let him die. We'll get the insurance. That's where we were. And I come here and I hear, I love you. Second thing I hear in the AA meeting, I'm, this is, what, 40 years? I'm going to forget this. 42 years ago. Isn't it great to be sober? I got up this morning and I could smell the flowers. Smell the flowers. Smell the flowers. Hey, don't poke me again, Bob. Don't poke me again. 
I went out. I don't smell the. What kind of world do you live in? Smell the flowers. I'm I'm getting out of here. He finally got finished. I couldn't wait till he got done. I start towards. I wasn't impressed, and there was a lot of people in that room I didn't want to know. I didn't like them. Just looking at them, I didn't like them. I start towards the door, and at the door in Avon Lake is Big John, John M. John M. is a great man, humble man. And he's watching me every move I make, and I thought, oh, my God, that's the only way out, and John's at the door. And the only way you're going to get out is past John, right? You're not going to drink tonight, huh? John's going to make sure you don't drink tonight. And as I got close, John put out his hand. He says, hello, young fella. And I said, hello. Five minutes, he told my whole story from drunken driving, his divorces, the losing job. <laughs> He's no, I know that. I said, yeah, my wife calls you. He's no, he's, that's, you do yourself a favor, young fella. You bring the body, the mind will catch up. Bring the body, the mind will catch up. You're not going to get well laying on the couch thinking about how to stay sober with a sick head. If I had my way and if the old timers in my group had their way, you know what we do? And we don't. We know we don't. But if I did, first thing I do is take your brain right out of your head the first year. I just let you go through the motions and see the results. Don't take a drink today. That's the biggest thing an alcoholic can do in his life today is not take a drink. Give God a chance to work with the brain. Because once you take a drink, you take God right out of your life. And I found a God. To my understanding, I found a God I never dreamed existed. On the way home, Bob, what do you think? I said, Bob, I met three guys. I like their eyes. How do you explain eyes? How do you explain an Alki's eyes? How do you explain somebody that has strong, kind, wonderful eyes, and they know where they were yesterday, and they know where they're going, and they just seem content with life. Just the way They're very happy. They sit there and relax, not waiting to get somewhere else all the time. How do you get that? Where do you get that? You get it in these rooms, people. The most important conversation you're going to have is the one going home. Making decisions on what you heard and what you're going to do. This is the classroom. This is the classroom. Because I'm too young, Tom. i got too much living to do. They did all those things, tell you not to. I said, well, I, I met three guys I like, Bob. I'm going to go find out what they got. And I come back to your meetings. For four months, I come and listen to your lead. Your success stories, I used to call them. Yeah, I slept in the street, I drank wine, I lost the business. Used to have six Cadillacs, now I have nothing. Come here, I'm sober six months, I got eight Cadillacs, got the business, got the wife, got the whole world by the tail. They sit out there and say, bullshit. You know? Going from the meeting, and wife say, hi, how'd the meeting go? What do you mean, how'd the meeting go? I'm sober, and I without more than you want. Good AA, huh? Solid AA. Keep the kids quiet, you know, the kids make noise, I get nervous, I'll drink. And you better have breakfast on the table in the morning. They said, I got to have breakfast. I don't eat breakfast. I'll get drunk. I don't care what time you got to get up or how late you're up with the kids. You put breakfast on the table or I'll get drunk. Oh, geez. Do us a favor. Go get drunk. We had some pizza and you were gone. <laughs> four months I listen to your stories. After four months I come to the decision that my problem isn't booze, people. My problem is money. Money. You guys are going on golf vacations down to uh, 
Charleston and you're going here and you're going there and everybody's living good. I can't even afford to buy golf balls. And they're turning off the gas, no electricity and no food in the house. It wasn't for the father-in-law. The kids didn't have Christmas. Isn't it great to be sober? No, it's not great to be sober. I heard about John South Dakota. They work seven days a week, 12 hours a day, and making a good buck. And I figured, boy, that's it. So out I go. I wasn't out there three months, and they made me the superintendent for the Titan Two Fuel Systems out in Sturgis, South Dakota. I made money. Anytime anywhere worked, I got paid because I was superintendent. There's no place to live because there was about 2,000 guys there from all over the country, but I found a fellow I worked with, his neighbor's uh, husband passed away, and she was moving in with the daughter, and she had a ranch I could I could lease, so I leased this 300-acre ranch. Chickens, they're chickens, all these chickens. Deer used to run through the yard, pheasant run through the yard. I could shoot pheasant with a single shot 22. That's how many pheasant we had run through that yard. Fantastic. I called her, I said, bring the kids, come on out, they're going to love it. You drinking? I said, no, no, I'm not drinking. She said, okay. They get out of school in June, I'll come on out. How many times June? Things were going so good, I, I went to town just for one shot in the beer to make them better. Things were going so good. Hmm. Everything I heard that happened to me in the next 18 months, that happened to other people happened to me. For making, at that time, a lot of money to, to sleeping in the streets in Brooklyn. Begging quarters for wine. It's like a great slide, people. When you start down, you get this down so fast, you, you. I'll tell you why I shouldn't think. I'll tell you. I don't think small. I think big. I don't fool around. I figure there's 2,000 guys on that job. They need eggs. And I got all these chickens. I'm going to, I'm going to get eggs. Now I'm from Brooklyn, New York. I never seen a live chicken in my life. But I'm going to get eggs, boy, and I'm going to sell eggs. At that time, making about two grand a week, and I'm going to sell eggs. That makes good sense. They shouldn't let us think. I go down to the ranch. I ask him. He says, oh, yeah. He says, get you some chicken wire, and we'll, we'll box in the back of these coops. And he says, you'll have all the... I go to the job. I tell all the superintendents, look, you, you need eggs. Send your men. Just take the order, and they can stop at the ranch on the way home, or I'll bring them in, and then we'll have eggs. Okay, Tom. Some guy comes up to me. He says, Tommy, you, did you ever have anything to do with chicken? Well, no. He says, you know, you've got to put gravel in with the feet. I says, gravel? He says, yeah, they're, they're not, not chickens that roam. These are chickens you're putting in coops. You've got you to get some hard shells so they can have, make the eggshells. Whatever the hell they got to do. <laughs> Is that right? He says, yeah. So Tony was from New Jersey. Tony was in charge of the heavy equipment and all the, the road work and everything. I say, Tony, would you do me a favor and bring some gravel out to the chicken coops? <laughs> Don't worry, Tommy, you're covered. Ten tons of gravel, he comes out. <laughs> buried the chickens, buried the coops, buried all oh, down. That was the end of the egg career. Now, I'm an algae, I know. I guarantee you, there's somebody back there somewhere poking his sponsor saying, for crying out loud, you told me this guy's going to tell me how to stay sober. And all as I hear, he's killing chickens. What the hell's that got to do with staying sober? I tell you what killing chickens got to stay sober. If you don't know what you're doing, get a sponsor. And get somebody who knows what he's doing. Don't get one of these guys that, hey, I got out of the hospital last month. You're getting out this month. I'll sponsor you. Oh, boy. Boom. Right over the tube. Get somebody that, that, that loves you enough to tell you what you don't want to hear. 
Get somebody to break your legs when you think you're doing something wrong. Get somebody like that. Get somebody you don't like. Because the only thing he's thinking about is keeping you sober long enough till you get a brain. That's the only thing he cares about. He don't care if you like him or not. He's interested in saving your life. Wife come out. I'm drinking. Lost the job. I, I, I couldn't read a print anymore. I, I'm back welding. I throw the hood down and hear Christmas carols in February. I don't know what day it is half the time. I got a bottle hit everywhere. Wife almost froze at that. Come in to get me and, and, and she told you. Hit a snowbank and if it wasn't for a fuel oil truck to find her, my family would have been dead. She left. I stayed out there and then about March a guy comes over. He says, Tommy, I'm going home. He says, I'm the last one from Ohio. Why don't you come home with me? You're cracking up out here. Got to the back door and knocked on the door. She says, keep going. I didn't want the kids to see you. If you got any, any decency left in you, just get out of our lives. I got a ticket to go to work in New York. I got back to New York. I was too sick to work, so I stopped for one drink. Next thing I know, I'm sleeping in airways, hallways, sleeping on the train, subway. I wake up one morning. I'm in a, I'm in a one night. I don't know. It was dark, and I'm in a long hallway on Coney Island Avenue. And I hear a woman sobbing. And I look over, it's my mother. Mom, what's the matter? She says, what's the matter? She says, look at your son. I says, Mom, I'm fine. She says, fine, you look like death warmed over. You, you're breaking my heart, Tommy. Will you please go get help? Mom, I'm all right. That's, okay, come come with me five minutes. This is the whole shot. This is all there is to it. That's drinking living. you got to... Drunk with his mother with a broken heart, and he don't know what day it is half the time. And the only way he can live with himself is get drunk. This young man comes into AA, and as a result, he was always a good mechanic, but he never knew the business end of the business. But in AA, he meets engineers and appraisers and lawyers and bookkeepers and accountants, and they teach him the business end of the business. So he goes into business for himself. He's sober maybe 19 years. Tries it for himself. And I'll never forget when I sat down at the kitchen table. I says, honey, I'm going to take on this job at the Cleveland Clinic. I'm going to take this job on. I says, honey, if, if this job goes the way I think it's going to go, because my son's a pipe fitter and they're working with me. I said, if this job goes the way I think it's going to go, honey, it's going to put us over the hump. I said, I'll have enough payroll for 15 men for six months, and I'll have enough tools, and I'll have this, I'll have that. And I says, we'll, we'll be on our way to living like other people live. I says, but if it don't, honey, we're broke. The house goes, everything goes. And she's standing at the kitchen making coffee and doesn't say a word. I said, Glenn, did you hear me? If this job don't go the way I think, we're broke. And she turned around, she says, broke, I can handle it. We've been broke all our lives. What the hell we got to lose? Boy, did that take a weight off my shoulder. She says, as long as you're not drinking, I'll live in a tent. What more can you want? Where we went? Well, that job went better than I thought. Now we run 20 men. Now we're slow. We're down about seven or eight men. But normally we run anywhere from 15 to 25 men. I got a payroll a week now that I used to make in a year. Our life is great. I go to the office once a month. I pick up a check and make coffee. That's it. That's it. How you guys doing? Fine, Dad. Make the coffee. They don't want me to do it. 
I screw everything up. Trying to tell them how to do it. Oh, geez, that's a mistake. I leave that hallway with my mother and I get down to 3rd Avenue L and I get up on the train trestle. And I decide I don't kill myself. That's the easiest way out. AA don't work. Nobody loves me. My mother don't even love me. My heart don't love me. Nobody wants me. You get on a pity party. You get on it. You get sick. We're real sick people. A lot of people think when I fix the mind, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be able to drink again. Don't get into that trap, people. You'll be an alcoholic to the day you die, and I don't care how long you're sober, and I don't care how good your mind is, or how much you studied, or how much you know, or how much you're strong your spiritual life is. You take one drink, and that whole deal goes right down the tube. But still, don't drink today. All the rest is great. You need it. But don't get in the trap. Of, oh, boy, it's, it's psychological. If I fix my head, I'll be able to drink again. Don't fall into that trap. I know a guy that did, he's dead. I know a lot of guys that did, they're dead. I got up on the bridge to jump, and I looked down, and I seen these great big boulders that they put around the, the, the beams. And, and I had a spiritual awakening. Something said, Tommy, suppose you jump and hit the rocks and don't die. Oh, that's going to hurt. Huh? Oh, no. I don't want to hurt. I don't know any of you that wants to hurt. I call the wife. I says, honey, I, 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 I need help. I, I, I need help. She sent me the money to come home. I stayed in the couch for five days. I remember sweating and shaking. And I went down the hall and they hid me in the mill for three days to give me a check. Just hid me. Because I couldn't work. I, just... I got a check. I stopped in the bar to cash it. And I, I woke up in jail. Because I, I went home and I wrecked the house. Everything she worked for, everything she buy wrecked. I wake up in jail. And who walks in that jail but my brother-in-law. And he looked good. He's white shirt and a sweater. And he looked great. Even with him, I gotta, I gotta put up my wall. I can't let anybody in. I can't let you know I'm afraid. I can't let you know I can't live without drinking. As Bob, can you imagine I'm in jail again? And he laughed at me. My brother-in-law, my drinking buddy, laughed at me. Gary said, I can imagine you in jail again. He says, you're just like me. You're crazy. When you drink, you're nutty in that bedburg. He says, Tommy, I haven't had a drink in eight days. You need a lot of wisdom to be a sponsor? No. All you got to do the one twelve step calls. Remember how you felt the first day. That's all. Because he feels the same way. Just remember how you felt and how you were looking for something to grab onto. Just be the person that he can grab onto. That's all you got to be. Don't be an educated professor of AA. Just give him your heart. And now he will look past a phony in five seconds. He lived with phonies all his life. He's looking at you. He don't care what you know about the big book, how smart you are. No, he's looking at you. He's looking at your eyes. And if your eyes tell him that you care, he's with you. That's all he's looking for. Somebody that knows what the hell's going on. As you can't go eight days, he says, Tom, I went in the DTs. They had me in straps. I got out of straps. I went five days in the detox. And now I got a sponsor. I go two meetings a day. If they don't send you away, Tom, I'll take you with me tonight. That night, him and a man that was old enough to be my father come to my home. They took me to Lorraine St. Mary's, and I can't tell you a thing about the lead. All as I know is I was sitting at a table saying, God, I'm different than these people. Oh, God, please, I'm nuts, but help me. And a man sat down. I said, how you doing, young fellow? I said, fine, fine. <laughs> can't let him in. 
Can't let anybody in. And when we were leaving the meeting, my the man that become my sponsor shook hands with another man. He said, see you next week. He's okay. And I grabbed him. I grabbed him physically. I said, how do you know you're going to see him next week? I don't even know if I'm going to make it home tonight and you're going to see him next week. He's back off and come with me. We went to a drugstore. We got vitamin B, cable syrup, orange juice, and honey. We went to my kitchen table. He poured out the vitamin B pills, mixed the orange juice, the honey. He said, drink that and take them. Third step, turn your life over to power. I turned my life over to him. People, I didn't have faith in a God. I didn't have faith in anything. But I had faith in this man because he was sober 12 years. And he had the secret. And I took the pills and I drank the juice. And I took the pills and I drank the juice. He said, what time is it? 10 after 12. He said, I'll be here at 8 o'clock in the morning. Do you realize you'll have one-third of today in? I beg you, keep it simple. 8 o'clock in the morning, the man was at my front door. Took me down to Stella Morris. I got a shot of vitamin B. I went to two discussion groups. And I sat and shaked with a bunch of other men that were in their halfway house. And that night we went to a meeting. And that next night we went to a meeting. And 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 I've seen times I go home early and change clothes. I'm not going to the dinner meeting and hear about how good everything is. I'm going to get dressed, go over the east side and get drunk to hell with them. And, and, and I go out the front door in 2AA sitting on my porch. Hi, Tom. <laughs> they knew me better than I knew myself. Meetings, 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 meetings. Going to hospitals on 12-step calls with these sponsors and going to different houses and picking men up. And too busy to drink. Okay? I can't drink today. I gotta make that damn coffee. Get me our coffee for three years. I couldn't drink because every Friday I make the coffee. I'll get drunk after I make the coffee. Yeah. I go to meet somebody in the group says, any anniversary? Somebody says, Tommy's sober year and everybody claps for hey. You know how they do? Oh boy. I got a head that big. I leave the meeting. I'm driving home. This guy said, hey, Tommy, you still sleeping on the couch? That's where I slept. I slept on the couch for almost 14 months. There was nothing going on in my house. She didn't believe it was going to work. I didn't even think it was going to work. Driving home, he said, on the couch? Yeah, I'm still on the couch. Why? Well, probably get the board as soon as we can afford it, but right now, there's... I can't get near it. Well, you sleep in the bed, Tommy. Is that right? That's right. Sleep in the bed. You work. Put her on the couch. Damn right. I'll put her on the couch. Damn, I'll let her sleep on that damn couch. I'm going to sleep in the bed. Hey, Tom, you still broke? Yeah, still broke. How come? How come? You're working steady every 40 hours every week. Give me a check to read, yeah? And you're still, she don't handle money. She's probably on dope. Is that right? Yeah. You handle the money. Damn right. I'll handle the money. I'm the only one in the car. Huh? You don't think it's easy? It's not easy living with six crazy people. I got it down to three now. And I know when they come. They come last week. Hey, Tom, you're going to Vegas to lead a meeting. Why don't you? Yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. I know when they come. Why do you think I say God run the head? Why do you think I say God run the head? Please, God. That's my prayer. God run the head. That's my surrender. And you're not going to go anywhere until you surrender. I used to think you walked surrender to me. We need surrender. I'll punch you. The strength comes through the surrender. The strength comes through when you realize there's something better in yourself and stronger than you that can take care of this program, take care of this alcohol that's stronger than you. I sit God on it.
Hey, God, here come the school year ideas. Well, get busy. Go do something. Okay, mow the lawn. I think of my old neighbor. I mow the lawn. Make, you know, my wife, I told you about all these gardens. She don't like me near the, the flowers when I'm mowing. So she does the mowing, and I mix the mulch. I get down to the farms. I get the cow shit. Put it in that big bags, bring it home, mix it in with the mulch, with a, uh, a rototiller. That's my job. You feel important? You feel like a big man? You come to my house and mix mulch with the boots. We'll see how important you are. I was digging a basement by hand. Moe Joder, an Amishman, come to our group one night. He said, you want sobrieties? Come here and work the program. You want potatoes? You better get a hoe. You can pray all you want, but get a hoe. I want a basement. I'm home at the meeting, 10 o'clock at night, ripped up the boards in the front porch and start digging. I would dig straight down, throw it up in a porch. A kid's going to school, throw it out the window. I go off work, climb down. I dug a tunnel and I dug out. I dug a, a basement under a 32 by 24 basement. Stayed in about a foot on each side to, to hold the house while I dug it. Then cribbed it up, put some block around, and got a basement. Had a big hole in the middle of the living room. We lived in the, in the basement while we were remodeling the upstairs. I, I had a basement with a kitchen and a laundry and, and place to eat. And we used to get down a ladder to the basement. My daughter's coming up to go to bed. Good night, Dad. Good night. Yeah. Insurance man coming. Sells insurance. What are you doing? My wife always won an indoor pool, so I'm making a pool. Hey, then. Kept me sober. I was watching the guy come over the house. Right? Nobody appreciates me in my house. I'm a God, God, this sobriety ain't worth it. Come on, let's talk about it. Come on downstairs. I give him a pick. I say, you pick over there. And I'll... About ten minutes, what am I doing? I said, we're digging a basement. Is this what you do? I said, yeah. He's the hell with this. I'm going home. I got a mate. Yeah. My son comes in the program. My daughter comes in the program. My daughter's going to meetings all over the country. God almighty. I come home from that meeting. I walked in the house. I said to the wife, I said, listen, I'm, there's new game rules. From now on, I, I, I'm going to. I'm going to handle the money because apparently you don't know how to handle money. And you're going to sleep on the couch and I'm going to sleep in the bed. And from now on, and she says, whoa. That's what they learn how to say in that, that communist club. Whoa. <laughs> I said, what do you mean, whoa? Do you know what today is? She said, do I know what today is? She's going to the kitchen. Look at the calendar. I'm out in the kitchen. It was a great big red circle. July the 5th. Tom Sober. One year, two days. Still crazy. <laughs> She came out in the kitchen. She says, Tom, I used to think, I used to think that our problem was booze. I used to think you drank and it made you nuts, but you haven't had anything to drink in a year. I know that. And you're still crazy. There's no difference in you now than when you were drinking. The only thing is you smell different. She says, but it's still me, 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 me. I want my maple like a little kid all the time. For my sanity and for the kids' sanity, I'm fed up being your whipping post. The kids are fed up being your whipping post. I got to divorce you, Tom. And I went to the meeting, I grabbed the old time, and you lied to me. You told me my life was going to get better? No, no, no. We said, you're going to get better, then you make your life better. My wife's divorced, man. I haven't drank in a year. Your wife's divorced. Oh, Tom, I never got a divorce. Gee. Bill, did you get divorced? Tell Tom about, oh, Tom, they're great. <laughs> you're going to get spiritual. She's going to take every damn material thing you own, Tom. <laughs> Sit down. I went to a meeting, I was sober 14 months, and the guy got up here and he said, he was sober six years, and they were going on their first vacation. They were going on a houseboat trip to Watts Bar, Tennessee. 
him and the two kids, the wife and the two kids, and she was in the audience looking at him like he was a movie star, and this guy was pouring his heart out, and he ended his lead with take it home. You like yelling, screaming? Great. You're six foot two? That's wonderful. Come in here, find somebody six foot two, yell and scream at him. Then pick yourself up off the ground, go home and say, hi honey, I want to take you and the kids for ice cream. Take the guy you want to be. Take the guy you're going to be home. Act as if until. You're not there yet, either am I. I won't be there the day they put me in a box. But I know where I want to go now. And I like, I like what I am. Sometimes. I like what I am. I like what I'm trying to be. And I can hold my head high anywhere I ever go. Take the program home. On the way home, I sat down a bunch of old times. How do you take the program home? Don't tell me to do something and not tell me how. What do you want me to do? What do I do? When was the last time you said thanks for a nice supper? What do you mean thanks for a nice supper? I buy the food. Oh. When was the last time you called up and says, honey, I got tickets for a show. I'm taking you and the kids. We're going to go to a show. We're going to go here. We're going to go. Never. I might have been sober 14 months at that time, but I never thought of anybody but me. Got another phone? I've got more doctors in this place than I ever heard. One of the old timers grabbed me. Can I talk to you over there, Tommy? I said, sure, and he grabbed me. He says, hmm. and smiled the whole time. Said, you self-centered, selfish son of a gun, when are you going to grow up? A little over a year ago, you were sleeping in the weeds. Did you forget that, Burns? Now you have a job, you got a few pennies in your pocket, you got a warm bed to sleep in, you got a wife, you got kids, you got more blessings than you deserve. And all you do is moan and groan, you haven't got a Cadillac, isn't that a damn shame? When are you going to learn? When are you going to learn how to say thank you, God, for the things you have? Stop moaning and groaning about the things you want. The things you want may get you drunk. We have four absolute burns. One of them is unselfishness. Put in your life for 30 days if you can. See what happens. On the way home, I knew I had to do something. I didn't know what, but I had to do something. I had to change. Now, I'll tell you, I used to think it was big things. Let me tell you what it is. It's little things. Hey, babe, how about coming in, having lunch, and playing golf with me this afternoon? Would you send some? I stopped at a Lawson store, like a convenience store, 7-Eleven, and I bought a, a little box of chocolate-covered cherries. $1.89. Big thing, huh? And a card that you give somebody who was in the hospital. Thanks for being there when I needed you. Love, Tom. Huh? Big thing? Went to the back door of the house. I didn't have guts to give it to her because she's in the living room like she always is, reading them books. She always reads them communist things. <laughs> I go in the kitchen and I put the... The box of candy and the card on the kitchen table. And I walk into the living room and it's the first time in ten years I talked to her like she had a brain. I said, Glenn, can I have two minutes of your time? Never did that. I said, Glenn, I heard a guy talk tonight and I seen his wife look at him like, like he was a movie star. And I and him and the wife and kids are going on vacation. Honey, I want us to go on vacations. I want you to dress nice. I want the kids to go to school dressed nice and warm, and I want to be able to walk out and take your places and do things. We're going to do that, Glenn, because I'm going to change. Give me a couple of months. If I don't change, you can have the divorce, and we'll do whatever I have to do. But if I do, we'll have a hell of a life, Glenn. And she looked at me and smiled. She said, who led the meeting, Jesus? 
She says, I'll make some coffee. She went out in the kitchen and it wasn't two minutes. Joe Hodgell was crying her eyes out. And I went out in the kitchen and she had the card and the candy and Joe Hodgell lost it. And we sat at the kitchen table and we talked at 3 o'clock in the morning because I listened. Yeah, you have feelings. I didn't know that. Yeah, you have a brain. I didn't know that. Alcoholics don't hurt, drink to hurt your feelings. That never dawns on me. You got to get our attention. We don't, you know, I'm, I'm hurting. That never dawns on me. You're hurting. You got to hit me with a two by four or something. Boom, now, listen to me. Okay, okay. Got out the envelope, started paying the bills. I come home. I was sober a little over 14 months. She said, Tom, see that $30 on the kitchen table? I said, yeah. She said, that's ours, Tom. That's our $30. Big deal. Sober almost 15 months and got 30 bucks to call you on. Yeah. But where we come from, it was a big deal. And I took my kids in my new used station wagon, and we went out to Sandusky, Ohio, to a pancake house. I bought $30 worth of strawberries, cream cheese, not cream cheese, but whipped cream and, and, and pancakes. Boy, the kids always filled up. My daughter come running around the big booth. She was about three or four years old and kissed me on the cheek and said, Daddy, I love you. That's my AA, here and now. Can I have some more strawberries, Dad, as you could be a strawberry? My sons run to the car and got in the front seat because they wanted to be with me. And we're tight. We're tight. We go to golf and every year, every Sunday we play golf. They take my money every week. They're rotten. So my life is going beautiful. I'm going all over the country telling everybody how great this program is, how wonderful. My daughter comes in the program and gets a job with Coca-Cola Company. She's traveling all over the world. Buying antiques and saving all. Finally, she comes home. She says, Dad, my next assignment's in Florida, Dad. And, and I don't want to. I don't want any moving companies touching my antiques. I says, okay, babe, don't worry. I got a company truck. We put our antiques in it. Took her to Florida down at Coral Gables or someplace below Miami. Apartment, beautiful place. Great big security, fences, swimming pools, old people, young people. We had breakfast together and she hugged us and gave us letters telling us how much she loved us. And we went over to see my sponsor and my, my mom and dad. I brought them up. Brought my mom and dad a place in Florida. Thanks to AA. Come home. And in 10 days, a cop knocked on the front door and he said, Mrs. Burns, I, I hate to tell you, but your daughter was murdered. Some drug addict needed money for drugs. He cased the house, seen the antiques, broke in. She woke up and he killed her. Now we'll see what kind of God you have. I went out in the backyard as God, you sick son of a gun. I don't care what you do. I'm going to Florida blow somebody's head off. You let things like this happen, you sick son of a gun. You And me and God went on a, a fight. I go to meetings. They say the Lord's Prayer. I say go to hell. The only thing I did was bring the body to meetings. I didn't drink. I didn't drink. A little, I never slept. I paced the floor. I go to bed at 11, wake up at 12, and pace the floor all night because I got to get at him. When I went to the courtroom, they put two, I took a pipe, I smoked a pipe, and I pipe, took my pipe and I shaved it down to a razor. And I'm no further from here to you away from him. And I can't get at him because they got two detectives with you. And both of them say the same thing, Tommy, don't make us shoot you. Don't, we don't want to hurt you, Tommy. We don't want to shoot you. We know how you feel. But if you try to kill him, we, we, we got to protect him. We got to protect the son. Three years, you don't sleep, you don't eat. You go from 185 to about 140. You don't know what day it is. You go up to the corner to go to work. You don't know which way to turn. 
You're in the kitchen one day and you black out and your wife comes in and you see her and, and, and you don't want her to see you that way because all you're doing is looking for a knife to take the fly. You still want to kill her. She leaves the house. I don't know. My son, next thing I know, my son, another AA. My son says to me, Dad, come on. Just because you're sober 23 years at that time don't mean you can't crack up, Dad. They take the emergency room. Doctor says, how do you feel, Mr. Burns? I says, I don't care if I live or die. Never say that to a doctor. Never say that to a doctor. They, they put you in a little room. My son says, you're not taking my dad to any room. So they call my family doctor. They put me in a, a ward. Guy comes in. He says, last time you sleep? I said, what's that? And they gave me a little pill. And they knocked me out for four days. I walked around like a zombie for four days. I didn't stay with The only thing I remember about that whole stay was a nurse. A nurse. I said, how do you deal with people like this? She says, how do I deal with it? She says, I raised eight kids. This is a vacation. Yeah. AAs are coming from all over the country. I don't want to see them. I don't want to talk to them because they tell me to pray for this guy. To forgive him. Forgive him. You ever have a daughter murdered? No, then don't tell me to forgive him. You know what you're talking about. Get out of here. My son walks in the room. He's sober five years at that time. What can he know? Huh? Five years. What can he know? He said, these people may be able to help you physically and they may be able to help you mentally, Dad, but I'm going to help you spiritually, Dad. I said, spiritually? I said, you take your spiritual life, you take your God, and stick him. I said, kill my daughter. Get the hell out of here. And my son, who's pretty big, grabbed me. He said, where'd you get that God? Listen to me, people. Where did you get that sick God? That is the God you told me about all my life. Don't blame my God for killing my sister. My God didn't kill my sister. A very sick man killed my sister. My God tried, too, when Kareem was murdered. Why don't you borrow my God, Dad, until you get a good one? You got a sick one. Borrow my God, Dad. And my son sponsored me. And we took the 12 steps, and the only thing I eliminated, in the back of the 12 steps, the second part says, my life's unmanageable. That's what we use. My life's unmanageable. I didn't drink, but I would. And through the help of my son in this program and you people and a God, I found that cries with me. And I spend more time today with my daughter and I did when she was here. I talked to her every day. No, right now I, I can hear her. Sit down, Wendy. That's what she's saying. <laughs> Sit down, Wendy. Okay, babe. Thank you.